All right. Want we grab our seats, shall we? Awesome. Last week we started a series called Living in Promise, and uh, I'm very excited to invite Julian to come and share the word today. I believe he's got a word from God. Why don't you put your hands together? Come on up, Julian. Thank you, brother. Awesome. Morning, everybody. How's everyone going this morning? That's the way. Awesome. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to receive from your word this morning. We pray, Lord God, that your word would be nourished like a seed in the soil. And as your word says, Lord, we believe that your word will go forth. It will achieve that for which it was sent. It shall not return void. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing, your presence here this morning. And we pray that in everything we do, we give you glory and honor and thanks. We pray these things this morning in Jesus' almighty name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. And before I start, I'd just like to acknowledge a few people who we have here with us this morning. First, I want to acknowledge uh, Pastor Kim and Bethany and thank Pastor Kim for the opportunity to share the word this morning. Uh, secondly, I want to acknowledge Pastor Jackie. I also want to acknowledge uh, my um, extended family who are here this morning. I want to acknowledge um, Pastor Otzi and Pastor Trish, Pastor Ray and Pastor Mattia and Pastor Ava, who's also representing Apostle Sue. Could we have a round of applause for all the pastors we have in the house this morning? So we're moving in a series right now entitled Living in the Promises or Living in Promise or Living in the Promises of God. Uh, this morning, I've got the pleasure of sharing on the topic of living in promise from the perspective of John the Baptist in the expectation of the promised one, which is quite timely, of course, with Christmas coming right up. You know, we're all living in God's promise. Marriage is a promise. When you go to work, you have a contract that's a promise. I have a deal going with my boss. If she promises to pay me, I promise to come to work. The minute one of us breaks that promise, things will go a little bit south. But there's been no greater promise than the promise of the chosen Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father than through me. So as we see with the promise of a way, it comes with a particular action. So in this case, you want to come to the Father, you have to accept the Son. But to receive a promise, we need to be ready. We need to have the right heart. We need to have the right attitude. We need to have the right mindset. You do not enter the presence of a king unprepared. Turn to the person beside you and say, can't enter the presence of a king unprepared. It's good giving those nice long ones. Everyone has to like, what did, what did he say? <laughs> Today we're going to have a look at four steps of living in God's promise. But in order to do that, we need to do a little hashtag flashback because we're talking about John the Baptist here. So if we were to end at the Old Testament before we move into the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence from the prophets of God. The people of the land for those generations did not hear from the prophets. God did not speak to the people for 400 years. There was silence in the land 
until the time of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist emerged on the scene, he had spent time out living in the wilderness, in the desert, surviving on locusts and honey. He dressed a little bit different from other people, and he came out with a message, and he quoted from the book of Matthew verse, in Matthew 3, verse 3, and it's going to come up on the screen here. And he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. He was quoting from the prophet Isaiah, a prophet who people had not heard of for over 400 years. Another translation is the contemporary English version, and it says, In the desert, someone is shouting, Get the road ready for the Lord. Make straight a path for him. A few months ago, I spent some time in the desert of Saudi Arabia. And I can tell you, when you think about desert and you think about this scripture, someone coming out of the desert shouting, shouting to prepare something, prepare a road, make it, make it straight, is quite unusual. My experience in the desert I'd like to share this morning was this. The desert is a very, very desolate place. It is very, very hot. It is very, very dry. It is very, very arid. And there's basically nothing out there. Yet in the nothingness, within the silence, without the clutter of distractions of music and sound and the things we have here in the city, you can truly hear the voice of God. It gives you a time of reflection. So John came with the message, and the message was this, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repentance means to do an about face, literally to turn 180 degrees. So our first step in our four steps to God's promise today is pause. Turn to the person beside you and say, pause. When we pause and reflect about our own actions, our own behaviors, and commune or get close to God, God begins to reveal the impurities that exist within our own life. Only God knows what's going on deep within the delves and the depths of your heart. But if you allow time to spend time with God, without the distractions, without the noises and disturbances that are around you, God will reveal to you the things in your life which are not of Him, things that are not righteous, things that are needing to be repented of, or things that you need to do an about turn or to turn 180 degrees away from. God's not going to do it for you. You need to do it yourself. You can't sit there and say, God, change all these things. You need to put it into action. You need to action your faith. But it requires self-discipline. A few um, months ago, my wife and I did something really, really radical in our life, and we did sign up a gym membership that we actually went to. We've been on many, we've sponsored many gyms across the south side of Brisbane over the last, uh, you know, 14 odd years. But this time we actually went to the gym that we uh, signed up to and actually started going to the exercise. We were obeying the uh, health regime. Um, the results have been slow, but sure. Uh, we've probably lost more body fat than we have lost actual like kilograms because with the, mate, the muscle gain, that kind of thing. But you know what? It took a lot of discipline, a lot more discipline than we thought. It involved heart. It involved changing our mindset. We had to really focus on not eating the wrong food. We had to 
you know, avoid not going to exercise. We got very anxious going to the gym. Um, whenever it was time to go to the gym leading up 15 minutes, 10 minutes before the session started, we were like so anxious. We were like really nervous. We were a bit cranky and grumpy and like, come on now, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. And when we got in there, I'm telling you, there's people in there look like machines. They're so well toned and they're just lifting. I don't say lift up the bar. Like they just like kick it with their foot, grab it with the hand, like the big full bar. And it's got weights on the end. And we're like sitting there carrying the bar with no weights on it. We're like, okay, yep, hang on. <laughs> oh my gosh. One day we'll be like those people. <laughs> but you know what? It takes a moment to pause to bring out the best in yourself. And you have to work at it. And it takes time. So whatever's going on in your life this morning, if there are things that are not aligned with God's Word, there's things that are aligned, you know in your heart are not aligned with God, take a moment to pause, reflect. If you want to live in the fullness of God's promises, we need to take a moment to just stop, turn 180 degrees, and maybe you need to look at something a little bit different. Our second step this morning is prepare. Everyone say prepare. So John the Baptist was saying prepare the way of the Lord. Effectively, what he was doing was saying to be prepare for the coming of Jesus. Now, people could have just sat back and just waited for Jesus to come, but he's telling us here in the Word to prepare. That's telling us that there's a level of preparation involved if you're wanting to experience the chosen one, God's full promise, as he's coming. People who do not know Jesus need to be prepared to meet him. We must be prepared before we meet the King. This time last year, I had the privilege and the absolute honor of having an audience with the King of Tonga. I have a slide up here on the screen. Um, on the picture there, you can see a few different aspects of our visit to the Royal Palace. When you go to meet the King of Tonga or any king, you don't go unprepared. You'll see on the top there, we took some slaughtered pigs, we took baskets of fruit, there was hampers, there was traditional mats and things like that. We had to book an appointment with the palace office, given a particular time. We were run through a list of protocols. We were advised to wear particular clothing. We had to approach the king a particular way. So you'll see that we're sitting on the floor. The king was sitting on a throne. When you go to meet a king, you have to be prepared. Physically, spiritually, and mentally. To put it into context, when the wise men made the long journey to meet the king of kings, a baby called Jesus, they didn't come empty-handed. They brought gifts with them, gold, frankincense, myrrh. They dressed appropriately to meet the king. They traveled a very long way through the desert to meet him. And when they came to him, it says that they bowed before him. Nothing can fully prepare you for being in the presence of majesty. When you stand in the presence of a king, be it an earthly king or the king of kings, you can't but be inspired by the awe and the majesty of that moment. There are certain protocols that go with meeting people of higher office that attach to that dignity, respect, and a complete aura, which is different from our interaction with everyday people. The same comes to when we're preparing ourselves to meet Jesus. 
We don't come just empty-handed. This morning, we offered Jesus our worship. We offered God our very best this morning. We cried out to him. We shouted to him. We sung to him this morning. We didn't come just with nothing. We gave an offering this morning, our tithes and offering, another form of worshiping God this morning. When we come to the king, you do not come unprepared. You must be ready to meet the king because nothing will prepare you for being in the presence of majesty. Our third step in living in Jesus' promises or in God's promises is position. Can you turn to your left or your right and say position? Position is very important. John the Baptist could have baptized people just about anywhere, but he chose to baptize people in the Jordan River. Now, to you and I, that's just a name on a map in the Middle East. Probably doesn't really have that much significance. But to the, his audience and the community where John was operating in his ministry, the Jordan River had deep historical significance for that people at that time. Because the Jordan River was the place where the Israelites renewed their covenant with God. Or, another word of saying it, this is the place where the promise they had before God was received before they entered into the promised land. We must be positioned to receive our blessing. The baptism that John brought, this baptism in water, is an outward sign. But the real positioning happens on the inside. It's an internal thing. Now, we've had water baptisms here in church, and yes, it's an outward public declaration, but the real work is going on inside the heart of that person. And when you see someone being baptized in water, God moves on everyone's hearts when they see it. You can't feel unchanged, not unchanged, when witnessing something like that. And the analogy I'd like to share this morning is the tree in the desert. There's a picture I took in the desert in Saudi Arabia. We're heading to a place called the edge of the world. It looks a little bit like the Grand Canyon. And the desert was just basically rocks and sand and rocks and sand, mountains, rocks and sand. And then every now and again, we saw a tree in the middle of the heat of the desert. It must have been like 40 to 45 degree heat. And then there was this like these trees that were just flourishing in the middle of the desert. And some of them looked like they were in what was maybe like a dried up, they call it a wadi, like a dried up uh, creek bed. And I looked at these trees. I was just fascinated. That's why I took the photo. I was like, man, what is this? This is so weird. It's so hot. How can anything survive out here? But you know what? I felt God saying to me that the tree is positioned in the right way, that it will survive and flourish in the unhabitable place. Because the tree is a particular type of tree designed that God has designed it to survive in the desert. Now, if you planted a banana tree, a pawpaw tree, or an orchid, or maybe a grapevine in that part of the world, in that desert, it will not survive. But when you pick the right tree, positioned at the right time, in the right place, its roots will go down deep into the soil and hit the water table. And then from the water table, will start to draw from deep beneath the earth. And as the water seeps up through the tree into its branches, it brings forth fruit, and then the tree begins to flourish in an uninhabitable place. You know, when our hands are dirty, we wash our hands, and the results are visible straight away. The blood of Jesus, when it washes over our hearts, is visible straight away. When John baptized people in the water, there was a flow 
going around them. Symbolically, the water was cleansing people. It was restoring people. It was resetting people. You can't stand in the Jordan River and not have anything happen. But this was very symbolic at the time because water in an arid place in those parts of the world is such an important and valuable commodity. Absolutely so. In uh, United Arab Emirates and this part of the world, it doesn't rain for over a year. It's got to the point where they actually use what's called cloud seeding. It's a technology where they send aircraft up into the sky with particular chemicals that generate clouds, and the clouds get big enough that they generate fake rain. It's actual rain, but it's like man-generated rain. And that's when you get rain in the desert. But this part of Saudi Arabia, there's no cloud seeding. This is way out in the desert desert, yet the tree survives. So it's important that you are positioned in the right place at the right time so that God can nourish you and can allow you to grow and that you can bear fruit no matter what season that you are in, even if you are walking through a desert in your life. You might be in a very dry time at the moment or a very dry season. You may have things in your life that God is dealing with, but you can still bear fruit if God has you and you're obedient to allow God to position you correctly to be in such a position that you're able to bear fruit and to draw from God's nourishment. Amen? Our fourth step this morning is produce. Can you turn to the person beside you and say produce? Now, if it's a husband talking to a wife, this might be very prophetic for the next season. Produce. <laughs> we often think about pr produce and producing in terms of the fruits. You go to the market, you see the produce. But producing fruits doesn't start from planting a seed. We have to go back a few steps. It starts from preparing the soil, turning the soil, tending the soil. It's only when the soil conditions, the weather conditions are correct, only then can we plant the seed. But then when we plant the seed, you have to wait and wait and wait. But what do you do in that season of waiting? You water the, the seed. You nourish the seed. You pull out the weeds that are around the seed so that the sapling can grow and flourish in its fullness. And then once the tree starts to grow from a small plant into something a little bit bigger, it requires pruning. You have to cut away the dead branches, the dead leaves that are off the tree before the buds come forth and bring forth the fruit. In Matthew 3 verse 8 it says, Bear fruits worthy of repentance. I'll say that again, bear fruits worthy of repentance. So John the Baptist is telling us to repent for the kingdom of heaven is upon us. So just as the fruit tree is expected to bear fruit, us, God's people, should produce a crop of good works. Turn to your neighbor and say, we must produce a crop of good works. God has no use for people who call themselves Christians but do nothing about it. God has given us a great commission that we are to make disciples. We are to go out there and build a kingdom. So if we're just sitting there, proud as punch that we're a Christian and that's all we're doing with our life, come on. God's got more in, in life than just to sit there and be a Christian. We have to go out there and make disciples. We have to go out there and preach God's word. We need to go out there and teach people. We need to lead people in the way because our role is to prepare the way of the Lord. 
When you're in the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, there are great highways through the desert, straight highways from one side of the country to the other. You fly in in the aircraft, you look down, and there are literally these big straight ways in the desert. And that's similar to what God is asking us to do this morning in our heart, is to make straight a path in our heart so that we can prepare the way of the Lord, because the Lord wants to come and do a work in my life and in your life this morning. Amen. How do we go and move from producing fruit to becoming fruitful? How do we move from producing fruit to becoming someone who is fruitful for the kingdom of God? Before we eat the fruit produced, we must wash it and peel it. I was reflecting on this. We were in Tonga last week uh, for a family wedding, and we're eating so much fruit. So tasty, eh? Honestly. You know, pawpaw, coconuts, banana, you name it. But I noticed everything that we eat, we peeled it or we washed it. You wash the apple before you eat the apple. You peel the banana before you eat it. You know, you drink the coconut, then you crash it, smack it open, then you eat the, the flesh from the inside. So it's important that we, when you want to be fruitful, it's, it's one thing just to be a tree there bearing fruit. But if we want to grab the fruit of people's life, if we want to find the giftings that are within someone's life, if we want to discover the calling of God that's in someone's life, then we need to pick that fruit. We need to wash it. We need to peel it before we can eat it and enjoy it. Amen? Don't waste your God-given gifting. Use it to extend the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I might just call the worship team up at this point. They can slowly make their way up. There's a story in the Bible about a Samaritan woman who meets Jesus at the well. Most of us are familiar with this story. The Samaritan woman came up to the well, it says, in the middle of the day. I've been in the desert in the middle of the day, and I can tell you it is hot. We're talking like 45-degree heat. It's a very unusual time. But the Samaritan woman was avoiding seeing the other women because her lifestyle, let's say, didn't align. So she went up to the well in the peak of the heat of the day. Unexpectedly, when she went to the well, she met Jesus. She didn't plan to meet him. And she has a conversation with him. Being a Samaritan woman, they didn't really fit in with the Jewish community. They were half Jew, half Gentile. They were like a mixed race. They didn't belong to the Gentile community. They didn't belong to the Jewish community. So they formed their own kind of community. And here's Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, that meets this woman in the middle of the day. And he has a conversation with her at the well and says, can you give me some water? And she says to him, who am I to give a Jew some water from this, from this well? And he goes, had you known the person who was asking you this question, do you know that the water I can give you will give you eternal life, that you would never thirst again? He goes on to say that the water I give will cause fountains of living water to bubble up with inside you. It's one thing to go to the well to draw water. It's another thing to meet Jesus and have a fountain in the desert bubbling and pouring living water over and over again. You will never see a fountain in the desert because it's a dry place. 
But when God comes in and has an interaction with you, when you meet the Savior because you have positioned yourself accordingly, you have prepared the way of the Lord in your heart, and you are ready to receive something, go beyond just the produce of the fruit in your life, that is the time when you can experience a fountain in the desert. Don't ever underestimate for a moment what God can do in your life. Never underestimate if you're going through a dry season, how God can turn that moment around and draw water from the well. Sometimes we may feel hopeless. Sometimes we may feel useless. Jesus said to this woman, where is your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had five husbands and the man you're with right now is not even your husband. So that's six. Six men who had physically used her, maybe abused her and taken advantage of her. But the seventh man that she met was Jesus. The seventh man wasn't coming to use her in a sense of abusing her, but using her to extend God's kingdom. He gave her something different that the other men hadn't given her before. She experienced something completely different that the others had not given her. And she went back to the town and she told every man, woman and child what she had experienced when she came face to face with her Savior at an unexpected location at an unexpected time. But God had her positioned. Had she gone in the morning, she may not have seen him. Had she gone in the late afternoon, she may not have seen him. Had she gone in the darkness of night, she wouldn't have met her Savior. But she went at the appointed time, at lunchtime, in the heat of the day, in the dryness of the desert, when she was hung thirsty for water and that is the time when Jesus was there and said, give me a drink. Have you opened your hearts this morning? Are you ready to prepare to receive what God has for you from His grace? You know, we long to fit into this world, but the world doesn't fit in with us. How many have taken advantage of this woman's trust? How many have taken advantage of you? How many people have used you for their own gain? for their own gratification. Some of you here today can relate to this story because there are similarities with your journey and the journey of this woman going to the well. But John knows that in the desert this morning church, someone is shouting, someone is calling in the wilderness, can you hear the voice? Get the road ready for the Lord. Make straight a path for Him because Jesus, our Savior, is coming. The living promise is coming to us. In other words, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Get ready, church, because Jesus is coming to do a work in your life this morning. Can we be upstanding this morning as our worship team begin to lead us? If you dig deep enough in the desert of your heart this morning, you will find water. Open your heart because we are making a way for him. There is a voice calling this morning. And if you listen carefully, you can hear it. The word says, but the seed fall on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Someone who hears the word and understands it. We all hear the word, but do you understand the word this morning? Do you understand what God is saying to you this morning? If you receive the word and you hear it in faith, 
but you also understand it, then it's time to put that word into practice. The Bible says that we've been given a measure of faith. We all have a measure of faith. We need to activate that faith and take that to another level this morning. But in order to do that, we need to prepare our heart. We need to prepare our mind. We need to prepare our entire soul so we're ready to make a pathway because God is coming. He's coming to do a work in your life this morning. Next year is going to be very, very different than this year because Jesus is moving, but we need to prepare a way for the Lord. Amen. Amen. As we worship, take this moment to reflect this morning. To pause, to prepare, to position, and to produce. Even Jesus came to John to be baptized. Jesus said, I need to be baptized by you. John felt unprepared. How could I be the one baptizing Jesus? You're the one that I've been making the way for. But even Jesus knew that he had to be baptized and to prepare the way. As we worship this morning, open your heart and hear that voice that is shouting in the wilderness. A voice that is calling out to you in the desert church to get the road ready for the Lord and to lay the path straight between your heart and your King. voices together church Oh 
deep truths have been spoken this morning if we were to apply them our lives would be different would be fruitful we're called to be like that tree flourishing even a dry and desert place and maybe that's where you feel you are right now I've been there we've all been there This morning is an opportunity to reach out to God. We're going to take communion together. Should have received one when you walked in. If you didn't, just give our host a wave and they'll be able to get you some. This is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. You know... When we're talking about putting your roots down and getting that life-filled water, I'm not that water. Julian's not that water. <laughs> the team up here is not that water. What you're holding in your hand represents the water, the giver of life. And what he did on the cross was he gave his body and he spilt his blood. But he didn't stay there, he rose again proving to us that he was who he said he was the incarnate son of the living God let's spend a moment just to prepare our hearts I don't know what you need this morning what God does maybe it's forgiveness maybe it's a new vision many of us are coming towards the end of the year and we're tired God give us new vision Some of us, we have some real struggles. I don't know what your answer is, but I know who has your answer. I don't know what to comfort you, but I know who can. Why don't you spend a moment to bring your heart before God? Prepare your heart for communion.
For I received from the Lord that which I also passed unto you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we honor the Son by eating this, this which represents the broken body. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Let's eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, we look forward to your return. When we will drink this cup with you, fully loved, fully belonging, fully redeemed. Let's drink together.
Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here. Julian, fantastic word. It sounds like you lived part of that message quite literally, having been in the desert recently. So thank you for that word. Guys, uh, it's Christmas time. <laughs> it's all happening. Enjoy uh, your next week, I'm sure, of all sorts of festivities. We'll be back here on next Sunday, which is Christmas Eve, normal service, and we will have a one-hour service on Sunday. Oh, sorry, on Christmas morning at 9 a.m. as well. Love to see you here. Be blessed. Have a great week. If, you, if you're here for the first time, we've got coffees out there for you. A welcome pack as well. Be blessed.